Hey everyone, technically you're getting two days in history today because we're running two episodes from the History Vault. You'll also hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's November 5th. Shirley Chisholm became the first Black woman elected to Congress on this day in 1968. She was the oldest daughter of Charles and Ruby St. Hill, and they were immigrants from the Caribbean. She had spent about seven years of her childhood living in Barbados. She had been born in the United States, but for economic and financial reasons, her parents sent her and her sisters to live with her grandmother and be raised by an aunt when they were small. Her parents wanted all of their children to go to college, and they wanted to own their own home. But they just couldn't make ends meet, and that was why they had sent the children to Barbados for a few years. The schools in the British colony of Barbados were another reason. Ruby St. Hill thought that their daughters would have a better education that was focused on the fundamentals of reading and writing and arithmetic back in Barbados. They returned to New York when Shirley was about 10, and she had some trouble adjusting. She was put into a third-grade class, which was a lot too young for her and not very challenging at all. She was way beyond that in her coursework. But because she was mostly doing well in reading, writing, and arithmetic, while naturally, because she hadn't been living in the United States, not really caught up on U.S. history or geography, that's why she was put into a younger grade. She got tutoring, though, and she went on to really excel. When she graduated from high school, she had scholarships to Vassar and Oberlin for college, but she couldn't afford the room and board. So instead, she went to Brooklyn College, and after graduating from there, went into early childhood education. She participated in her first political campaign in 1953. That was the campaign of Louis S. Flagg, Jr. to become the first Black judge in Brooklyn. But she was frustrated with how women were being treated in politics. A lot of women were very active in political organizations, and the problem was they were really being relegated to tasks like cleaning up and making food and arranging social events, not on things like making policy or being the ones running for the office. So that changed for her in 1964 when she ran for state representative. She won and served for two terms. Then in 1968, a court-ordered reapportionment created a new congressional district in New York. It was centered on Shirley Chisholm's neighborhood of Bedford-Stuyvesant. And this newly created 13th district was majority Black. It also had a large Puerto Rican population. So it was pretty much taken for granted that whoever was elected from this brand new district was probably going to be Black was also pretty much taken for granted that it was going to be a man. However, Shirley Chisholm first won the Democratic primary, and then her opponent in the general election was James Farmer, who was running on both the Republican and Liberal Party tickets. He was the former head of the Congress of Racial Equality, or CORE, as well as one of its founders. He had helped organize and participated in the Freedom Rides, and he and a lot of other people thought his election was a sure thing. It was not, though. His campaign really focused on gender because when it came to actual issues, he and Shirley Chisholm agreed on a lot of things. So he presented himself as a strong man who was really needed in Washington while saying that she was just some schoolteacher. He was not the only person that was focused on her gender. The New York Times ran this headline during their campaign, Farmer and Woman in Lively Bedford-Stuyvesant Race. However, though, 
Shirley Chisholm leaned on her record as a state representative in Albany. She pointed back to all the work that she had done to really benefit the people of Brooklyn. She reached out specifically to women about women's issues, and women outnumbered men in the district when it came to registered voters by about 3,000 people. She also spoke fluent Spanish, so she reached directly out to the district's Puerto Rican community herself. On November 5th of 1968, she won that election against James Farmer, 34,885 to 13,777. She went on to serve seven terms in Congress, and she also ran for president in 1972. She didn't win the presidential nomination, but she did help open the door for other candidates like her. You can learn more about Shirley Chisholm in the November 5th, 2018 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. That is the same day as this episode is coming out. So if you're one of the folks who listens to this day in history class the minute it drops, the other one might not quite be published yet. Thanks so much to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. And you can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a denunciation of a massive injustice. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, a show that will convince you that history can be fascinating even when you expect it not to be. The day was November 5th, 1857. Ida Minerva Tarbell was born in Erie County, Pennsylvania. Tarbell was an investigative journalist, biographer, educator, and lecturer. She exposed the corruption of big businesses and contributed to the dissolution of the Standard Oil Monopoly through her journalism. And she's remembered as one of the foremost so-called muckrakers of the progressive era. Muckraker was the initially pejorative name given to reform-minded journalists who wrote about big business, exposing political and economic corruption. Tarbell was born in a farmhouse in Hatch Hollow. Her father, Franklin Sumner Tarbell, was a carpenter. Her mother, Esther Ann Tarbell, was a teacher before she got married. Ida had three younger siblings, one of whom died as a child. When oil was discovered in Erie County and incited a rush of business, Ida's father started up a shop making wooden oil tanks. As Franklin grew his oil business, the family moved to Rouseville, then Titusville in Pennsylvania, though he was later forced out of business by Standard Oil. Ida graduated from Allegheny College in 1880 with a Bachelor of Arts degree in biology. Once she graduated, she began teaching at Poland Union Seminary in Ohio. But after two years there, she quit to pursue a career in writing. She began working at the Chautauquan, a magazine about self-improvement, and eventually became its managing editor. But in 1891, she left for Paris to study history at the Sorbonne. While in Paris, Tarbell also wrote articles for U.S. publications. But a notable turn in her writing career came when she met Samuel S. McClure, who created the popular literary magazine McClure's. She began writing for the magazine, and when she returned to the United States, she joined the magazine's staff as a writer and associate editor. She wrote a series on Napoleon Bonaparte and a series on Abraham Lincoln, both of which were later published as books. And she and other writers at the magazine began to tackle social issues, like corporate trust. 
One of Tarbell's most noteworthy pieces of investigative journalism during the progressive era, a time of great social activism and political reform in the United States, was the book The History of the Standard Oil Company, published in 1904. The history was originally published as 19 articles in McClure's. It exposed the abuses of John D. Rockefeller's standard oil monopoly and contributed to the company being prosecuted under antitrust laws. She garnered a lot of attention and popularity from her journalism about oil and monopolies. But in 1906, she and some of her colleagues left McClure's after a dispute with McClure himself. They soon took over a publication called The American Magazine. There, Tarbell continued her journalism, writing about things like corporate crime, the tariff, and the history of the women's movement. She was critical of the women's suffrage movement, denouncing its militant parts and characterizing it as anti-men. She espoused her support of home and family and criticized the movement's inattention to those roles and values. Tarbell spent time traveling to examine factory conditions, and she came to admire Ford's mass production methods and treatment of workers. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson offered her a spot on the Federal Tariff Commission, but she refused. After American Magazine was sold in 1915, she worked as a lecturer and a freelance writer. She wrote books about business and business leaders, including one on Owen D. Young, who founded the Radio Corporation of America. She also wrote a series on Mussolini in which she offered him praise, and she published an autobiography. Critics have noted that though Tarbell was considered a muckraker, she often championed American capitalism and took conservative stances. She died of pneumonia in Connecticut in 1944, leaving behind a legacy of work that influenced many other investigative journalists. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Keep up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. Or if you would prefer to email us, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. We're here every day, so you know where to find us. Bye. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.